I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, hello there, online darts listeners. A very warm welcome to a very special bonus podcast. And this is a special bonus podcast because we've got four great interviews for you. Uh, my name is Jarlath Eaton, and luckily you will not be hearing my voice for much of this podcast. I'll just be setting up each interview and coming out the back of each interview. But the person's voice you will be hearing a lot of over the next hour is our great colleague, Phil Bars. He sat down with four of the sports most important names at the moment. Uh, to talk through a wide range of issues. You will hear from Joe Davis, a man who was a, a pretty much unknown, let's be honest about it, uh, before he qualified for the World Youth Championship final against Bradley Brooks in Barnsley a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Fallon Sherrick is also on this podcast. She speaks to us after her trip to Austria for the World Series of Darts finals and the chief executive of the PDC, Matt Porter. Uh, joins us as well to talk through the decisions as to why Coventry's become the new home of World Darts and also looking ahead to the 2020-2021 William Hill World Darts Championships and where that might be. But we start off with the African warrior, Devin Peterson himself, a man who has been in amazing form this year, a man who has been knocking on the door of winning his maiden PDC title and it finally happened for him after squandering three match darts against Gerwin Price in the Awesome Series. He manages to beat him a week later in the German Darts Championship in Hildesheim and then went and won the tournament, his first ever in the PDC. He was understandably overjoyed when he was chatting with Phil. Devon, first of all, huge congratulations. We can tell by your smile that you're still loving every minute. Your first PDC title. Has it sunk in yet? I don't think it, it. I don't think it has though. It, it just feels like it just feels like one continuous kind of movement in a sense. It's because ultimately I've, I've just always been hardworking. You know what I mean. So after winning that, it was great to have a trophy. It's great to do the speech and and obviously see the social media activity. Um, it's just everything is enhanced from what it previously was. If you're playing well and people message you, and now it's just tenfold basically. But yeah, I think um, my excitement is for the next 501, which is going to happen at the Grand Prix. And, and I think that that's kind of keeping me, um, I don't want the, the, the winning, uh, or winning the, the German Darts Championships to kind of distract me from everything. But obviously, I've worked so hard towards it. So, yeah, I did celebrate it a bit for the first 45 minutes with the kebab. But yeah, other than that, it's been, <laughs> it's been steady on. Going to take you back to the opening 
um, when you played Jazzy Price in the German Darts Masters and you dodged a bullet. Everyone says that to win a title at some point, you need that little bit of luck. Was that your little bit of luck in that game when you missed match darts? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you look at the game, ultimately the, he, was, he was phenomenal in the first, in the opening four legs, taking out 10 plus checkouts when I was set up on shots. Um, I just felt as though it could either go one or two ways. It could either go, he's going to miss a, 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 an, an easy layup like that and take me out. Or I could just fight all the time and throw on 80s as much as I possibly can and try and win. And luckily for me, it was in my favor. But if I, if I, like a lot of people were telling me as well, like he only had that one dart in, in the last five legs, which was when people say like, you dodge the bullet, like generally I don't get that kind of luck. Do you know what I mean? People yeah. normally, when they get to such points, they they, they check out. Um, yeah, and, and if that was, I'm hoping that there's more luck in the future, I guess. Going into the final, do you think the experience of the Autumn Tour, did you learn from that moment and going into this final, were you more prepared for winning your first title than perhaps you were back then? No doubt about it. I think me losing the Pro Tour was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because I was so motivated the next time I played um, to get everything and I can fix it. And just moving through the same kind of mental space that I was when I when I on my way, on my route to getting to the final. And even when I arrived in the final, I felt comfortable against Gezi and, and missing those matches. And I know why I missed it. I spoke to Wayne immediately after that and I said exactly, I told him why and he conquered and he says that is exactly what happened. So this time around when I got to the final, I just, when I got to the winning double, I said to myself, well, it's, this is the, this is the, the things that I put in place to actually kind of activate because it's, it's a different, it's a different focus, different mentality that you have to have to actually get over the line. It's different from winning a game and you only experience that when you're in that championship as a winning position. Um, which I've not been ever um, up until the last week. So, yeah, it was all new, but I'm, but I'm happy that um, I got over the line. And, and fortunate for me, it's, um, it's, it's been a long time coming, but, but I also think that I'm happy that it's happened immediately after that final that I lost against Gezi because I think if it continued, you don't know what kind of a ripple effect it would have had and, and would it have been a thought. But even when I lost that final, I didn't feel as though it was going to be the last final that I was going to be in. You know what I mean? Because my form, I've been playing really well. I'm scoring well. So I always felt like that. But I just also in the back of my mind, it's like you missed an opportunity there. And then, yeah, you needed to just put it um, to bed. And the next one came and I took it. Obviously, looking ahead, people are now talking about you in terms of you now have the game to win TV majors. Obviously, I know you read social media and I'm sure you would have read those comments. Does that just show how far you've come? They've talked about Devin Peterson being the best player in Africa. Now it's Devin Peterson challenging for major titles. What does that mean to you? I think, like, to hear somebody else say it besides myself is quite different, I guess. Because, uh, I mean, you, you've, you know, I mean, we've done so many interviews and I've always told you that I want to be, I'm going to be world champ. And um, people used to call me crazy. They say, yeah, I don't have the game. I don't have any of these things. But a lot of people don't understand that the hard work that you put in, in behind the scenes. I mean, I know exactly how good I am on the practice board. So when I'm saying this, it's not saying it because I'm just saying it to, to sound kind of there's a bravado towards it. No, it's, it's because I know exactly how hard I'm, I'm working and I know exactly the results I'm achieving. I just needed to transfer. But now hearing somebody else believing it, it makes it, it, it kind of con, it gives me more confidence in a sense. Um, my distraction, I won't, I won't be distracted by it. 
I think that um, ultimately I still want to focus and, and go and use the same structure and strategy that I have done um, for most of this year, approaching games um, and stay on that. And whether I, when I get to the final or whether I do get to a final and have the opportunity to win a major, I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping that I, I will be, I know that I will be prepared because ultimately I've, I've been preparing for it for a long time. So, yeah, I think it's, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't hit me differently because I've always believed. Now I'm just making everybody else believe. Obviously, the rankings are not reflected of how well you're playing at the moment because of the, the way the two-year cycle works. But right now, do you think you're one of five, six players that are the best in the world for having the best stuff right now? I think my, I, 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 have, a, I have a different take on, on, on potentially like being the best in the world. Or I think I'm, I'm probably one of those top five players who make the least amount of mistakes on a board now. Um, and I think that's the differentiating factor from elite players to really great players. Um, they make very little mistakes. And I've learned so many times playing against these top players like the likes of Michael, uh, Go and Price. Um, and just think to yourself, um, like Peter Wright as well, where they, you may be through an 81 where if you converted a ton, you'd have two dots at a double where they don't make that mistakes. So I've worked on my game ultimately just to make less mistakes. And that's the practice. Uh, yeah, so if I say I'm, I'm I'm the best, I mean that 128 players they they can all most of them can probably chuck in a 110 average at some point, but it's just that mistakes that they make in games um, in in different games and they don't continue the consistency. And I've been there for a long time, and and um, I know exactly. So I've got the t-shirt, I've worn the t-shirt. I was busy buying my shoes as well. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 I'm I'm happy that I'm part of that elite that that elite group of, of players that make less amount of mistakes. And, and I think that that's the reason why I've, I've achieved so much success um, in, the, in, in, in the recent times. Obviously, I want to touch on something that you said a minute ago as well, that you said you spoke to Wayne straight after the Pro Tour and you said you knew the mistakes you've made. Does that just show how you're evolving, that you go back to the coaches as well now and he's called himself on, on Twitter and that? And, and now, obviously, we know you put a lot of hard work into the technical side of your game and eradicating the bits that were holding you back does that just show that to every pro as well that look you can always work on there's always something to be coached and worked on that no one is ever going to be perfect at this sport yeah i think i think that's the one the the one thing that keeps us all driving forward and and, and just wanting to obviously achieve is because nobody will ever be perfect i mean uh, you'll you'll try and make less mistakes or just be consistent but you'll not throw six nine darters i mean the, the person that will do that hasn't been born yet or i i don't think it will ever happen um but yeah like you like you're saying like and when i told you that i i, I messaged him immediately after and i messaged colin because ultimately there's there's things and factors that i've put into my game obviously consulting with them as well and they kind of help me get a game that I can replicate. And if I revisit, I know exactly which mistake. It's it's almost as if you you mapping out a journey basically. But I just map out the 501, and my mapping out, I know exactly if I do if if something goes wrong, I know exactly what point went wrong. And I think that a lot of dark players don't have that because they 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 just purely work on their skill and and obviously they they know how. But having, a, having an opportunity to map it out definitely um, has given me a, a lot more success on the dartboard. Looking ahead, like you said, there's a very big televised tournament a week away now. Tough first-round draw for yourself as well. But with those draws, if you get come through that in the first round, does that set you up for the rest of the tournament? 
Yeah, I think I think a first round game is probably the hardest because nobody wants to lose a first round in, or nobody wants to lose any game, but especially a first round because you really you you feel as though you haven't got into the tournament, haven't you know what I mean? Haven't moved with the tournament basically, but. It's it's the top 32 in the world that's going to be playing there, and and any draw there is going to be a hard draw. I mean, um, you got the likes of I think it was Gary that was a floater, and you just yeah. do you know what I mean? If you were seed, you didn't want Gary, and, and look at um, Ratajski as well. I mean, MVG's got Ratajski, and with the kind of form that MVG's in, it, it, it seems as though it's um, it's an uphill battle. Previously, you wouldn't say that, but for MVG now, I mean, the, his performance. But I, I'm sure he'll be putting hard work in all this week and, and get his mental his mental space right. And because he loves majors as well, so yeah, I think I think if I look at if I look at how they've performed and 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 in previous years at majors, I think the first round game, um, my first round game, both of us will be playing half. And obviously, Jose is part of, or Jose is part of the, the Trinidad group as well, uh, the same company that I'm sponsored by. And yeah, I think they, they're excited and in the anticipation of this um, clashing of the bulls, if you must call it that. But yeah, he's, he's been playing well. I mean, he's a great scorer, um, finishing. He's got some weird ways and he's, and he's really good at, at his doubles as well. So it's going to be a, a tough battle. But um, luckily for me, I'm, I'm in a form as well. So I think that it's just going to come down to who makes the least amount of mistakes and who can get off the, 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 the mark the quickest. Um, so, yeah, it's a different tournament. And, and it's something that I've watched over the years with... with um, I was quite inquisitive about the mental space about that and, and kind of working my own way because it's not just your normal straight 501 where you go attack, attack. You need to be strategic with your free doubles as well. So, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be thinking about that, but I will. That was my next question. Have you formalised your battle plan yet? Because I remember speaking to Rob Cross, especially on this, the first time he ever played on it, his exact words were, so I went back and listened to the interview in preparation for this, the Grand Prix frazzled my brain. Was his. I, 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 can only, I can only imagine because ultimately my, my, most of our, all of our games, all of our tournaments are straight start. And uh, that then obviously means that it's the same battle plan, if you must call it that. But I have been thinking about the, the, the difference in approach, um, what to go where and when and timing of, of, of scoring and stuff like that. Um, uh, and targets at what, what specific dart to throw a target at. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I have been kind of working, but I don't have it cemented as yet. So I've still got a few more days before I get there, and then fingers crossed, I I execute um, and all goes to plan. Early insight: Are you favouring the tops to travel twenty or the double sixteen to fifty seven approach? Um, that's the thing, though. It's it's going to be it's definitely going to be thirty two. Um, but the the battle plan and and I've seen and I've and I've worked out the calculation as well, like. If it's if you if you're going correctly and you go second dot or third dot, what's your next? Dot? Well, I mean second dot, then the next score is 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 massive. Do you know what I mean? So depending on where you go, so yeah, there's there's I'm definitely gonna go 32 um, unless I, I feel really informed and I might go tops as well. But 32 is definitely uh, number one for me so far. Looking past the Grand Prix, obviously we've got the Grand Slam, Players Championships, World Cup, and of course. The World Championships on the horizon. I was almost going to say the venue then, but we're not sure on that after Barry yesterday. So we'll just call it the World Championships um, for uh-huh. the moment. It's all this prep heading towards the showpiece, or are you not looking that far ahead just yet? 
I I feel as though every every year the world champs is the one thing that I want. It's the one thing that I I'd always fight for. Um, it's not it's not one thing to determine my season, but it's the one thing that I I actually I want to be known as a world champ. I want to have that world champ star. I I, I want to just do it for for Africa and have a world champion in darts. Um, I mean I think I think the ripple effect of it will be monumental and, and and just it's not just for me it's it's for it's for for africa as well and south africa so yeah it'll all lead to that and and hopefully i can i can maintain my focus and and just with this busy schedule that we're gonna have now um yeah just just keep plodding away and making sure that i get sharper and sharper and by the time the world comes yeah be a, a kind of polished a polished product we know you're one that likes to look at rankings and set yourself goals obviously to jump the amount of places you'd like to in the rankings in one go is, is very tough. So realistically, come January the 1st, where would you like to be sat in this ranking? I think if, I'm, if I break through into the top 32, that's always the number one goal. Um, your, first, your first goal is obviously to stay in the top 64. The second goal is to make the top 32 and everything after that is cream. I mean, you look at the way in which, I mean, you, you talk about, going into games and you look at um, titles and you realize that very quickly if you become successful in these back-end majors you could you could end up number one not what number one but in the top three four of the of the of the of the order of merit very quickly so yeah i think i'll I'll focus mainly on on just polishing up and, and and making sure that i hopefully break into the top 32. outside dream the form you're in right now it comes up this time every year. You know where I'm going with this by that smirk. Have you thought about the Premier League yet and the, the possibility of the African Warrior gracing the biggest roadshow in darts for 16 weeks? Because right now, is there 10 players better than you that deserve a spot? Um, the Premier League is always... I've, I've Previously, I've, I've always had the sentiment about the Premier League being an, a, an amazing opportunity for, for marketing as a profile or your profile as a player. Um, my, my, my full goal is, is ultimately just to become a world champ. Um, the Premier League and all of those things will take care of itself. If I get the invite, great. If I don't, I mean, it's, it's up to, to, to those people. But for now, I, if I focus on me, uh, the Premier League takes care of itself, I guess. I like that because we were on the live lounge last night. We were talking about potential Premier League candidates. And, and I said, it's the Premier League. There's a different set of boxes you need to tick than just being a good dark player. Do we agree with that? 100%. I mean, it's not, it's not like a lot of people look at rankings straight away and they go, oh, he's supposed to be because he's at this rank and that rank and all of those things. They don't understand that it's a showcase. It's, it's literally box office. It's your feature film, basically, of, of the, the normal dots that you get to see. So um, the different rules apply. And I mean, the success of the, the Premier League is, is testament to that. And brilliant. I mean, the PBC, Barry Hearn and Sky obviously put on an amazing show. And they, the, the players that they have there as well. I mean, last year was probably one of the best uh, Premier Leagues that we would have had performance-wise. Um, it's just a pity that we obviously never had the crowds. But I mean, the, the opening nights were fantastic. And I don't think that that, that will stop um, for the next 100 years. So, yeah, I think um, if I'm... If I'm if we were to look that far ahead and I maintain my, 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 my composure and focus and um, the momentum that I have in the form, um, yeah, I can't see why not. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put more, all my eggs in a basket and make it about the Premier League because I'm surely making it about the world. 
to touch on what this has done back home as well. Have you had many messages from back home in South Africa? And obviously, we all know you're the best African player that's ever lived. Facts speak for himself. But you actually winning this title, what does that do for darts back home as well now? It's massive. I've, like, uh, I still haven't gone through all the messages and, I, and what we day nearly day two now and I'm still going through messages and trying to respond to everybody so if you're watching this and I haven't responded please understand that I am trying um, but uh, like every news um, channel in, in the, having interviews in South Africa um, I'm on the front page of most of the, uh, like some of the newspapers there um, having stories and so on and so forth so I think that the, it's, it's just because of um, the likes of Brad Binder as well winning, winning the MotoGP I think it was uh, which is East South African, and, and, and it's, it's massive for our country. Once we have, I mean, we had Wade Van Cake as well when he broke the record. Um, you have these South Africans coming through, and once you see a South African or an African come through, it automatically creates a resurgence in South Africa where there's a whole host of, it takes, it literally takes that sport and elevates it, and you just see it become, like you'll see more people kind of, um, come through the doors of those sporting categories. And I hope it's exactly the same for, for South Africa um, and to be represented on the PDC Pro Tour. Also, you winning this, does this rekindle the hope and the passion that we could see a World Series event hitting South Africa again in the near future? That is a massive... I, I can't tell you how much I've been thinking about that after winning because I was just thinking if that is the reason like me winning this and that is the, the end product of it it will blow my mind completely and my heart will fill up with, with joy because I think though that's what South Africa currently needs to kind of highlight the sport in South Africa or Africa I think we on the on the edge of kind of I think now me winning and all this attention like all the the, the, the media hype in South Africa without me even being there has now put the darts on the map properly because before I used to get like a little slot and I'll just show a story I haven't done this and that's it but uh, yesterday I was um, on every headline on the news on every hour so literally when you switch on your TV is my face you're gonna see you know what I mean so and luckily I have a pretty face so people <laughs> weren't too upset <laughs> but but yeah I, I, I hope that it, it, it rekindles that and it, and it allows us to showcase our talent that we have in Africa and South Africa Evan, it's a pleasure as always. I know you've got plenty of media to do and plenty of practice to do before the World Grand Prix, mate. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us here at Online Darts. As always, buddy, we massively appreciate it. I always enjoy your, your company and, and your interviews, mate. So I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me. Devin Peterson there talking through his unreal win uh, in Hildesheim last week. And of course, he is one of those outside shots for the Boyle Sports World Grand Prix. If you want to hear our full preview on that, it's the last episode uh, above, uh, below this one. So wherever you're getting your podcast from, make sure that you listen to our Boyle Sports World Grand Prix preview. Because if you listen to this on the day that the podcast goes out, remember to join us uh, throughout the tournament for the World Grand Prix. We're going to have a live blog for you every day of the tournament uh, as soon as the action begins. We'll also be back here on the Grand Prix daily as well. Myself, Jack W. Garwood and Phil Barster are setting all the big stories uh, from Coventry. And, of course, Devin is involved in the opening night of action playing Jose de Sousa in one of the games of the first round. We cannot wait for it. So make sure that you subscribe to our podcast channels and make sure you don't miss a single second of the World Grand Prix with us here at Online Darts. From the World Grand Prix and Devin Peterson, we move on to the Unicorn World Youth Championship and Joe Davis. Now, 
be honest with ourselves here. We hadn't really heard of him until about a week ago when he qualified for the World Youth Championship uh, in Barnsley. He managed to uh, manage to get through an unreal day. He had one of those days where you just think, you know what, if it's your day, it's your day. It was totally meant to be. And what a day it was for Joe Davis, beating Jeffrey Desvan 6-5 in his semi-final, when at one stage he was he was fight he was four nil down he was you know it was unbelievable really, uh, but uh, he could he, he just managed to come back in an unreal uh, comeback for him you know beating Brian Rahman as well six four uh, in his quarter final as well he had a really really good day to Joe Davis and I don't think it will be one that he will forget quickly and we were the first people to speak to him after his incredible day uh, in Barnsley. Here he is, talking with Phil. Joe, first of all, congratulations, mate. Just try and sum up the day later, how you're feeling after the achievements of yesterday. Uh, well, I'm feeling uh, quite tired, to be honest with you. <laughs> I've, got, I've got back today. Uh, yeah, I've got, got trained back from Barnsley about 7 o'clock, so I'm really tired. Um, overwhelmed still. I don't think it's sunk in, really. Um, hopefully, in a couple of days' time, uh, it will do. We'll come on to the final and that in a minute, but just the whole experience over the weekend. What what was it like, first of all, playing in the um, obviously development tour, and how was confidence going into it, or having not played that much during lockdown? Well, I, I, I know I'm playing well. Um, I think that's the difference now. Before, when I used to turn up development tours, I'd probably throw an hour uh, for for a week. Um, I've never really practiced and, and I probably could tell with my results really because I didn't really get the results that I should be getting. Uh, it's, it's only my fault because, you know, I'm a typical like, 23-year-old. Um, just didn't really put much into it. But obviously this lockdown and things like that, I've been off work and it's given me the chance to actually um, progress and actually practice. Um, and I haven't stopped practicing uh, to be perfectly honest. And I knew going into it that I was playing well, rather than just not really knowing how well I'm actually playing through lack of practice, really. Is that just shown as well, like how your game has risen as well with putting in constant practice and potentially how good you could be? Because the rewards in the sport now are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I um, always knew I had it in me. Uh, it's just that consistency. When you when you don't play as much as the others, you're not going to be as consistent. It's as simple as that. And with darts at the minute, it's it's really doggy dog. It's it's such a hard sport to play. Um, you've got so many great players, and you know you've got to be 100 in everything you do now. Going on to the World Youth, obviously walking in the door that morning, seeing some great names there. What was your first initial thoughts of the day before a dart was thrown? Um, just enjoy it. That was the main thing. I was happy to get there. I was playing well. Um, had some good results. My averages was fairly high. Um, just enjoy it. Get past that group stage. I've never been past the group stage. I've been a seed twice now. I've never never been past it. Uh, and obviously, you know, if you, you slip it up that one game, then you're out and you'll come second place in the group. As simple as that. Obviously, before a dart was thrown, all the talk was around Ryan Meikle, Jeffrey Desran, Keane Barry. Were you just happy just to go under the radar and let them 
take all the all the limelight to start with? Well, um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, they, they deserve it. About how good they are, you know, you can tell they put so much hard work into it, and they travel everywhere. Yeah, the hundred percent. It wouldn't, wouldn't be right otherwise. Um, I was quite happy going on the radar. It, it don't really bother me. I'll just turn up and and hopefully enjoy it and, and get, get some wins. But as as for those guys, you know, they do deserve everything they get, um, which is why they're so good and they, they get talked about all the time. As a player, do you find it slightly frustrating though the likes of Jeffrey can go and play in the Euro Tour, losing that hop on a plane and come and play in, play in this? I know it's within the rules, so it's not their, their doing, but do you think it's kind of fair? No, no, I don't think it's fair at all, really. Um, but then on the other foot, maybe if I was in that position, I might think it is fair. But <clears throat> the only thing that gets me is like you say, they're playing at that standard um, all the time and then they can just just jump on the plane and then just maybe probably come down to a lower standard playing in that development tour, um, which, no, I don't, I don't think it's right as, you know, I'm quite fortunate to have the backing that I do and the, the people around me, but other people don't and they work really hard to play these events and to qualify. Um, and you've got young kiddies who really wanted to play the game and develop and they're just going to move down the list or the seeds and things like that just through someone, you know, who don't put half as much in the development tour as what, what they do. Um, but like you say, it's not their fault. It's in the rules. So you're, obviously they're going to do it, aren't they? Talking of Jeffrey, obviously that was your your final. You're trading 4-0. What's going through your mind at, at that point? Uh, just, just don't lose 6-0. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> just don't let's lose six nil. <clears throat> I wasn't well yesterday at all. I was I was quite ill. To be honest, I was going to pull out the competition. That's how bad I felt. Um, uh, so uh, every everything um, I was eating, drinking, it, it just just wasn't agreeing with me. And um, I relaxed because I didn't really expect to get that far, um, especially with the preparation. I, I can't can't drink what I want. I can't eat what I want. Um, so I wasn't really expecting it. When I was playing Jeffrey, I've never been in that position before when you're in a semi-final, that kind of competition. Um, and especially when it goes 4-0 up, I was got, I got a bit nervous, to be honest. Um, I was just, just I just want to win a leg. And then after a couple of legs, I've kind of settled down because I've, I've got in that rhythm, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And I knew I wouldn't be far off, to be honest. When did you realise you were back in the game? What, what part of the comeback did you realise, oh, I'm back in this? I'll tell you what, it happened so fast. It, like one, one minute I was 4-0 down and then the next I was 4 all, And it's kind of like, and I thought I was playing better than him. Um, when it went 4 all, I knew I was playing better. Um, and obviously when that happens, his confidence is going to go and only mine is going to gain, isn't it? So yeah. when it went 4 all. All I've got to do is win one leg. I felt really confident about um, winning the, a decider when it went f- uh, 5-0. I felt really confident for some reason. Always had it in my mind that I was going to win it. Um, and yes, like, like I say, so when it went 4-0 and I looked at the scoreboard, I thought, wow, like, I've actually got a chance here. What was it like, the moment that you, that you won, when that winning double went in, what was that feeling like? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was surreal. It's amazing. Like, 
you're never going to get that feeling again. I, I, I don't think. I, well, I, I won't. You know. Um, you know, in, in my head, I want to. I, I want to win the final now. Like I don't really look back and think, oh, it's so great. Like it's a great thing I've achieved, and I'm really happy. And like, I've, I've been so lucky with everybody around me um, supporting me, and I'm so happy I do it for them really because I do get loads of messages and support and just from local people who like watch me all the time. Um, so regarding like um, how how I felt after it was. Really, I just had in my head, I've got, I've got one more game, which I still do now. Bradley Brooks in that final, a real tough game. What's yeah, really. Between now and November the 29th, what's the preparation going to be like for it? Well, um, a bit tired at the moment, so I'm, I'm going to have a day off tomorrow. Um, today. I'll probably be on the board again tomorrow. Um, just, just for the same old, uh, I'll, just, I'll just keep practising everything I'm doing. Obviously, it's working because I'm playing a lot better than what, I've, what I had been doing. So I'll just be back on the board, just doing what I'm doing. Hopefully I'll play well on the night. That's what I can wish for, really. Obviously, the news came out before you reached it that unfortunately we won't be at Minehead for the final. I guess probably going to be Milton Keynes or, or Coventry for the final. Does that take something away from it from you or just the fact that you get to play on that big stage regardless of where it is? No, I, I, I'm, I'm not bothered, to be honest. Um, wherever it's played, you're still in the youth final. It's, it's a great, great achievement. And when, once I do play that final, whether I win or lose, I'll just look look around and think what I've actually done. Um, you know, whatever setup it's going to be, it's going to be a great one. It always is. Um, so, yeah, yeah, don't, don't really bother me about that. Have you thought about the potential doors this can open as well in the pathway to your career? Win or lose the final? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've never been in this position. Uh, and you get people messaging you and things like that, more interviews and what have you. Like, I've, I've never had anything like this. Um, I suppose you've just got to keep your feet on the ground, haven't you? And just, just do, do what you do. As long as you play, you play, don't you? Again, potential Grand Slam spot as well for, for 2021, what would that mean playing in one of the biggest PDC tournaments on TV? Yeah, well, it's a dream, isn't it? Like when you first start throwing a dart and you, you take it a bit more serious, it's, it's what you want to do. Um, I played in the Windmill World Masters on TV and it, only on Eurosport, it was nothing really really that big um, anymore. I, I think the nostalgia of it's kind of fizzled out over the years. But even just to make that was a dream come true. Um, just to play on TV that's another one of your goals and your dreams that you want to do um, to be a world champion it's another one you know so if I do qualify and I play it'll be amazing Win or lose does this give you the confidence to go and do more of the tour and pr progress to the, the pro tour and stuff like that long term yeah yeah definitely um, I've, n I've never really I'm really in 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 and out of sport, to be honest. Like I can play for a couple of years and I'll give up, and I've never really taken it serious enough. Um, but obviously, winning this is going to open up more doors for me. So I have to, I've got to knuckle down and 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 be a proper dark player, I suppose, and, and go to all these comps and see how good you are, really.
You said earlier that you know how good you are on the practice board and how good you could be. Do you believe the game is there to go on and be a fully fledged professional darts player and the game is there to go and challenge the best? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I know on my, my day, like, you can beat anyone, but the problem is you've got another 500 people that can, you know. it's you just got to be more consistent and that's what I lack, you know. Um, I'm no means the best youth player there is or is at the minute, um, but on my day, I know I can beat anyone. And, I've, and if you play well, then you, you, will, you will get the results. Joe, it's an absolute pleasure talking to you, man. I know we've got, you've got some more stuff to do in that, but thanks for taking time out to talk to us. Really nice to hear the story behind it all, how it went yesterday. We wish you the very best of luck in the final, mate. And hopefully we'll be speaking to you again very soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Cheers. An understandably ecstatic, but I think quite surprised Joe Davis in the interview uh, there talking with Phil. It was a real interesting one to hear that he almost thought about not going to the event. And that's because he felt so bad, but he managed to get through it. And what a day, a day he will never forget. And I'm sure he will never forget uh, getting up on that stage at the Rico Arena in Coventry and playing the World Youth Championship final, making his appearance at the 2021 Grand Slam of Darts as well. He'll play Bradley Brooks on the 29th of November. It will be uh, on the final day of the Players' Championship finals the game before the Players' Championship finals. Final, in in a way. Uh, but that's what's going to happen a little bit later on in the year. Right now, though, we go back to what happened a few weeks ago in Austria and the World Series of Darts finals and Fallon Sherrick making her debut finally on the World Series stage. We all know the story by now, of course. Ted Everts, Minter Sudovic, all falling to Fallon at the World Championships. There's a reward for that. She gets a place in the World Series of Darts this year. Also, as well as that, she drew with the eventual Premier League champion, or league face champion, at least, Glenn Durham, uh, in Nottingham. And she would have been, of course, at every single World Series event. She will be next year, uh, but uh, obviously the COVID-19 pandemic uh, put pay to that. But of course, she still managed to make it to Austria to the World Series darts finals. 5-1 up against Jeff Smith, missing a couple of match darts to get the job done. But in the end, she couldn't do. But it was still a great learning experience. And she looks ahead, of course, to what could be a fantastic ladies series as well. Here she is talking with Phil. Fallon, just back from Austria, the World Series. We'll come on to the game in a minute. But how was the whole experience of going to Austria and playing again? Yeah, I really enjoyed the whole experience, actually getting back to the playing situations and all that and being back on the big stages. I was so excited and I'm just so happy I got the opportunity to go and experience it all again because obviously since lockdown it's been very difficult to, you know, play in that situation. Playing in front of a crowd again must have been nice and that was only limited, but just to have... That interaction with the fans again must have been nice. Yeah, it was really nice, especially to like hear the support and stuff, because obviously it's been very quiet throughout the last six months. Um, so yeah, having the crowd back behind me really geared up my game, and I was well chuffed with it. Like the fact that they were just behind me and they enjoyed the darts, and it was good to have the crowd back at the darts. What was it like walking into that practice room for the first time since obviously the UK Open? Um, it was very like weird because obviously I'd not seen anyone for like ages and then walking back into it it was like okay right now I'm back to playing this is proper darts again now it's not just the online darts anymore you're actually with people again and yeah it was just so different and weird but 
I'm really happy with like getting back into it and being part of that atmosphere. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Was it walking glasses down, game face on type thing? Yeah, literally, as soon as the glasses come down, it was like, okay, right, now you're playing again, right, now you've got to focus and you've got to, you know, play how you can. The game itself, proper game of two halves. The first <laughs> session was just like it was at Ali Pali and at the Premier League, you played some sensational stuff up at the break. Did that break absolutely kill you? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, you could see it in my game. I was doing really well, and then as soon as the break came, it was like, oh, trying to adjust it again because obviously it was the first time I'd played properly since lockdown and all of that. So I was kind of getting into the game and all that. So I was getting used to having someone in front of me and the callers and all that. And then going off in the break, it was like, oh, I've got to restart again. And unfortunately, I weren't able to kind of restart. But I mean, it's all experience at the end of the day, and I'm obviously going to take it to my next time that I get to play on the big stage, and hopefully can, you know, make myself better in finishing the game off. Does that also make you realise the lack of proper match practice? What that does to your game as well, because you can play online and you played some great stuff there, but just that that lack of match practice, same as football, everyone talks about game time and everything like that. Does that make you realise how important it really is. Yeah. It, Definitely. I mean, obviously, having the match practice, I've always said, is really important. And, yeah, that definitely put into perspective how important it was because, obviously, I needed that to try and close the game off. And, obviously, while I hadn't experienced that for, you know, six months, I was struggling to close the game off. But I'm hoping, obviously, to go back now, um, you know, tweak a few things, learning how to close the game off again and probably take it towards the Challenge Tour if I get a chance and the Ladies Series that's coming up. Must be pleased though, the fact that your game for the first half especially was still in a great place considering you haven't played in that type of environment for so long because that first spell, you'd have troubled anyone in the world again. <laughs> yeah, um, that first half and all that, I, I was well happy with how I was you know playing and keeping up with Jeff because Jeff is a great player as he is and the fact that I was keeping up with him and like I said because I've not had the match practice and I've not played in a while I was so happy with that and like I said the only thing is closing the game off which I need to kind of go back regroup and take into my next comp. You said tweaking little bits what have you got in mind because obviously you're thinking about your game more now that Darts is coming back and everything like that so it's almost all eyes are on the rest of the year so what do you, little bits do you need to tweak? Um, so, like I keep saying, like closing the game off and stuff, but it's mostly more of the match practice, and obviously that's going to be harder because obviously you've got to kind of keep social distancing and all that. So I can't really, you know, go out of practice with my mates and all that. But I'm going to have to try and, you know, meet up with some people, have some practice, but obviously keep the social distancing. So I kind of get used to, you know, keeping the distance, but still playing a game with someone in front of me. And I think that's going to have to be the next step because. I know I can finish and I can score, but it's just getting back into the match practice that I need to kind of, you know, get people to help me with. Touch on the challenge tour first of all. I bet you can't wait to get back into that competitive environment. I know there'll be a lot of people, a lot of good players there, but it's the fact that there hasn't been much action on the challenge tour. A good weekend, you could potentially, when you talk hard outright, <laughs> by having a good weekend, I know you've just laughed about it, but because of the condensity of it, you could win two events and you're right up there. Yeah, I mean, there's always that possibility and I'm never going to, like, you know, knock that out of, like, the equation because it's always possible. Um, but, yeah, I'm just going to go. Hopefully, if it 
happens. So obviously that's the first step with the whole government stuff. Um, go play my game, see how I get on, and it'll be really good to try and push my game a bit more because I know a lot of people have been practicing, you know, throughout lockdown. So their games increased. So hopefully it can bring out the better game for me, and hopefully I get some results that weekend. Also as well, there's a lot of buzz on social media and just in general about the ladies series. Yeah. The fact that the ladies are being showcased more by the PDC and everything like that. I bet you can't wait to go and mix it with them again. But just the whole showcasing of ladies darts is huge for the sport, isn't it? Yeah, it's a massive like deal for us, the fact that we're getting so much publicity. Um, and this is what I kept saying, that we needed more opportunities and I couldn't think of a better opportunity to come up. Uh, apart, like, you know, we can now prove to everyone what we can do and there's going to be obviously all the top women and obviously all the other women that can play darts and hopefully we can all go and put on a good performance and yeah I can't wait to get back and just see everyone because I've actually missed everyone like but yeah it'd be great just to get back into playing again. Obviously your game as well we know is in a good place heading towards that with the challenge to all the little tweaks yeah. that you're going to be making. What's the most important thing for yourself coming out of the ladies series? So obviously tweaking my games and all that, but obviously the most important thing for me is to just keep that game mentality and just keep pushing myself and hopefully obviously get the rewards that are going to come out of it because that is my ambition to obviously push myself as far as I can, you know, do. Um, so obviously I want to try and qualify again for you know all the qualifications because I mean to me that's what I want to do so I'm going to keep pushing myself and you know putting in the practice and all the you know tweaks that I can and try and you know come out the other end and be the qualifier. Is the Grand Slam carrot a huge carrot for yourself as well? Obviously we all know Ali Pally's there as well but if you could do the Grand Slam as well that would be a huge achievement considering everything that's gone on in 2020 if you could get to those two televised events as well would be amazing yeah well I've always watched the Grand Slam and all that so it'd be really nice to actually participate in it and that's another one that I'd like to tick off my box because obviously I've done the UK Open and all of that um, I'd love to get to Ali Pali again but yeah the Grand Slam is another achievement that I'd love to do and obviously I'm going to push myself and try and qualify because I mean that's something that I really really want to do do you think the qualification is now better as well? Now it's over four tournaments than just a straight knockout on one day because that's brutal. If you yeah. make one mistake, you're, you're done. Where this, you can have an off day and still come back the next day and still be involved. Yeah, I think it's a like a better way of doing it because like anyone could like play really well on one day and like you said if they mess up then that's the opportunity gone but whereas we got like a few competitions and all that to kind of you know um prove what we can do and all that um it, it just it will help the stronger players come out more because you're playing for a longer like a bit of time and it's just going to push the stronger players and you'll see more of the better averages, you'll see more of the stronger players come out and it's, it, I think it's a better opportunity to qualify than just a one-day playoff. Presuming there's going to be a stream board as well, so playing on that, do you think if your games were selected for the stream board it gives you an advantage being that you've played on these big stages before and maybe some of the other ladies haven't? Um, I don't think it really gives an advantage or anything like that because obviously the stream board would just be like um, a normal, when we were at the competitions then there'd be a normal stream board so all the other ladies are used to it and it'd be like playing online at home so it's, it's just going to be like, you know, just normality for all the other women so I don't think there's a really advantage or disadvantage as long as you can switch off the fact that people are watching you. Fan, it's a pleasure as always and we can't wait to see you over the next 
few months and busy time for you. It was great to see you back on our TV in the World Series. Thank you very much as always. Thank you. Fallon Sherrick there talking through uh, her appearance at the World Series of Darts Finals and, of course, how she's saying that she's going to be very much ready for the Ladies Series. Fallon Sherrick there talking through her appearance at the World Series of Darts Finals with Phil and also as well saying how she's going to be prepared for the Ladies Series. And don't forget, of course, that we will have full coverage of it across our channels. OnlineDarts.com will have a live blog of the Grand Slam Qualifier and also as well the action from the Ladies Series on Saturday the 17th and Sunday the 18th of October. Uh, make sure, of course, you're following our social media platforms. Just search Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and then just search Online Darts on any one of those platforms and you will find us. Right, Moving on, we've saved the most important, I think, for last, purely because he's the chief executive and we really do appreciate his time. Matt Porter sat down with us to discuss a wide range of things from, obviously, all the events going to Coventry, it feels like, at the moment in time. Coventry is going to become the new home of World Darts and also where the PDC might be taking the World Championship or will it be staying at Ali Pali? There's a lot of other stuff, important stuff, that Phil covers in the interview with him. And here is Matt Porter. Matt, thanks for joining us. As always, you know you're a very busy man at the moment. That's okay. It's been a busy few days for the PDC. You finally announced pretty much the whole of the 2020 calendar, barring the Worlds. Must be a relief to get that out in the open so everyone knows what's going on. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the the biggest problem throughout this whole um, scenario has been the uncertainty. So to now have some clarity over what we can do over the next couple of months in what is traditionally always really our busiest time, October and November, um, is, is good for everybody. Everyone who's involved with darts now can plan for the next couple of months and, and work out where they're going to be, which will be behind me for most of them. Uh, I thought I'd you know, remind everybody of the new home of World Darts and uh, you know, see, see, what, see what they're going to do. Yeah, Has it been tough for Matchroom in general trying to juggle between MK and obviously Coventry because you've got so many hats on and these two venues work perfectly for all your sports? Yeah, they do. Um, you know, it's funny because we we had we had the Marshall Arena in Milton Keynes lined up uh, before World Snooker did, but it just so happened that their their first event back in June was before ours, so that they they stepped in there, and then we went in for the Summer Series and the World Match Play, um, and then you know that they, they had the requirement to book it for a long period of time because they'd lost seven events from China, I think it was. So clearly they were going to take over occupancy, you know, if they're going to take over occupancy for all of September, October, and November, uh, it wouldn't be right for us to say, well, we want it for the odd week here and there. So it was no issue whatsoever to move to the Rico geographically, hardly any difference, venue layout, hardly any difference. Um, you know, so it was, it was no problem at all. Um, and, and the guys at the Rico and the Marshall Arena have all been very accommodating for us. Obviously, it's been a draining time on not just darts, but all sports are you looking at the 2021 calendar with some hope and optimism or is there a plan that it could be exactly like we are now for some parts of 2021 as well well you, you have to try and plan as if everything's normal and work backwards from there because if you plan for a, a, a scenario where things are not normal it's very difficult to upscale it's much easier to plan for everything and then downscale if you need to so we, we've been quite good in terms of getting most things on uh, I don't think there's many sports in the world that will complete a 10 event second and, and secondary tour uh, like we will do with both the challenge and the development tour. There's not many sports in the world that are introducing additional content for, for women players at the moment like we've done with the women's series. And there's not many sports that will be able to deliver as much of their professional tour as we will do with 23 players championship events and four European tour events. 
Um, you know, so I think that's not a criticism of other sports. It's just the nature of the circumstances. We've been quite fortunate in that we can get events on and we've, and we've looked to, to, to deliver those. So, um, you know, it's, it's important for next year that we plan as normal 30 players championships, 13 European tours, all the premier events, et cetera, et cetera. And then if we do need to pull it back a little bit because of the scenario, or we need to rearrange things for later in the year, because clearly everything can't go on like this forever, uh, then we'll do that. Just touching on what you said about the, the secondary tours, like the ladies series and everything like that in the calendar next year, can we expect to see these blocks of pro tours? Because Obviously, I know it was forced upon it to do it this way, but it's ended up being a very good addition having these blocks and series. It, it has, um, and the feedback has been largely positive. The issue is scheduling. You know, you don't you need five days for, for what we've done at the moment for playing. You then need an extra day for rig. You then need potentially an extra day if you're going to do European Tour qualifiers around them. And it's very hard in our calendar to find that sort of space under normal circumstances clearly you can't do it during Premier League that takes up February to the end of May you wouldn't really do it in January when you've got um, Q school and and, and a bit of a break after the World Championship and a busy winter Um, then you sort of move into World Series by the time you come out of World Series you've got back-to-back European Tour events by the time you get out of that you've got TV events every weekend by the time you get out of that it's the end of the year (laughs) Yeah. So there is no room. There's just no space, you know. So we like the idea of the blocks and we are working to see what we can accommodate. It's going to be very tough to do five in a row, um, you know, but there might be scenarios where threes or fours or whatever um, are, are possible. And if we can move more of that content at the professional end of the game, so the pro tour into midweeks, um, then that's good for everybody as well. I think a lot of fans like the, like the race for the match play and the race for the, the Grand Prix because they pick players in five days to, to get into those events instead of just mm-hmm. doing it in twos, which I think captured the darts audience as well. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure the fans loved it, but it's not for them. It's for the players. So. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I understand that. That's no, no, look, you know, joking aside, you know, it's, it's, it's good that it's, it was received positively and we loved it as well. You know, the, 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 the build-up for... Uh, for qualification was was full of drama and suspense and it was easy to follow the order of merit on a daily basis but the players have to be our primary concern so we have to schedule things that mean you know if you're playing in Germany on the Sunday you can't be expected to report for duty at Barnsley on a Monday morning you know and 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 it's just the way it is we we, we're we're um you know we're, we're trying to accommodate as much as we can factoring in travel factoring in venue availability factoring in the time it takes to build these events you know to, to build 32 cubicles for a challenge or a development tour event takes a lot of guys a lot of time yeah um you know and and, and it's um it, although there's not 365 days of darts in the calendar there's not many days where people are sat at home doing nothing if they're involved in in the organization of the events so we have to factor that in and then other things like if we're doing an event, so say we're doing the event in Risa, well, there's not a thousand direct flights a day from Risa International Airport to the UK. You know, you've got to get a train to Berlin, you've got to fly, you might have to connect somewhere. So you have to allow the whole day for travel, really. Um, and we, we take all those factors in, into account. So as I say, it's, you know, it's great that fans have liked those, those blocks and, the, and the, the, the drama that they've created. And the players have done too, um, but they're, they're difficult to schedule. No, that's, that's understandable. Um, coming on to the world, obviously, I know you, you said on other interviews that we don't know what's going on yet. And then Barry teases us all and says it might jump away when he was on Sky. Yeah, what is, yeah. 
what what is the the likelihood in your opinion do you think is it going to be Ali Pali behind closed doors or could Barry's dream of fans somewhere else be realistic if you were if you were setting a book on it then then you would you would price Ali Pali you know as the as the, the short price favorite and you'd price Ali Pali without fans unfortunately possibly as even shorter price favorite um, but you would certainly might have an each way dabble on, uh, on <laughs> somewhere unusual with fans just to give yourself a bit of value. You know, it's, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's not something we want to rule out. It would be extremely difficult to find somewhere and get the deal done and get everything arranged logist- logistically at short, short notice, but that's what we're good at. Um, so, you know, if there's somebody out there who, who thinks that they might have a, a creative option for the world championship and they've got a venue and they've got a government that's allowing them to have fans and, and things like that, then, then we'll try and find them. Um, but it's, it's going to be difficult. So, you know, you, you would probably expect things to be uh, at Alexandra Palace, um, you know, even if, even if they, they, they wasn't nailed on yet. Realistically, how long would you need as the PDC for a late change? Say that all the government went all of a sudden, OK, we're going to allow X amount. What's your turnaround time as an organisation to get fans back in for ticket sales and everything like that? Probably a month. Probably sort of middle of November would be when we'd when we'd look to to know 100%. Um, you know anything anything shorter than that might be difficult for everybody to to get their heads around. Um, so you, you'd probably say you know four weeks would would be the, the, the loose cut off period. Right. Okay. So at least fans know sort of like by the mid to end of November that we're probably yeah. going to know one way or the other what's yeah, going. I mean, on. Phil, you know, th- throughout this whole process, our, our policy has been to wait. 100%. You know, we haven't made snap decisions about things that are six, nine months in advance. And we're not going to do that about the World Championship either. So even now sitting here on the 1st of October, you know, 10 weeks out from when you look to start the event, we will hold our nerve and we will see where the best option for, for the event is. It's a prestigious event. It's the one event in darts that transcends darts in terms of gets the whole sporting world excited about it. Yeah. So it deserves the opportunity to be played in front of a crowd the players deserve that opportunity. For many of them, it would be the biggest day of their lives when they walk up on that stage for the first round. Um, you know, so what, why would we not? Why would we not give it every chance? That hundred percent, and like you say, the, the way that the PEC have done everything has been tremendous through this whole thing. Through fans and players, always know what's going on. Um, this just sort of like rolls into one here. Did the success of the World Series and the Euro Tour over the last few weeks show the UK government that? bringing fans back into arenas can be done in a safe environment? You, you would have hoped so, wouldn't you? But it's not seemed that way so far. Um, you know, I think that they've obviously got domestic issues to consider and, and, you know, perhaps what's happening in Austria and Germany isn't at number one on their on their list. But, you know, we have made them aware that we've staged events successfully with, with crowds in Austria and Germany um, and we'll continue to do so over the weeks ahead. So... If there is any influence that can be can be applied on it, we're, we're trying to do that, uh, but it's it's obviously not worked so far yet. No, which which must be frustrating from not just Dart's point of view, but again, your all sports point of view. I heard Eddie talking about it recently mm. as well. That there seems to be fans going into arenas all over Europe, but the UK seems to be slow in reacting to all this. Yeah, and and not just sporting arenas as well. I read a really good quote from Carl Robinson, the Oxford United manager, the other day, saying that he was watching. Uh, his his fans, Oxford United fans, queuing to go in the cinema in the retail park over the road from the, the Oxford United Stadium while his team were playing in front of an empty stadium. 
And you're not telling me that it's safer for 100 people or 50 people or whatever to sit in a cinema than it is for them to sit spaced out inside a football stadium. So there's all sorts of contradictions wherever you look, you know, and, and actually the advantage of bigger arenas is that you can socially distance more easily. So, you know, if we can find places that, that will be prepared to open, and that's a bit of a challenge as well. Not every venue wants to reopen under social distancing because the, the economies of scale don't, don't match for them. But we, we have got some venues who are keen to reopen. And once we've, you know, once we've got the go-ahead from the government, we are confident that over here we can stage safe events uh, for everybody. Well, that's great to hear. Obviously, Darts in the short term has done a tremendous job. But long term, what damage is this going to have to the sport, do you think? Because I know that you say that the PDC have had this pot for a rainy day, but that pot isn't endless, is it? So what's the scale and time-wise before you start to worry no, the pot isn't endless, but it's it's not run out yet either. So we're you know we're okay as things stand, and we will um, you know we will if if we do go into next year with the same kind of conditions, we will obviously have to bear that in mind because clearly that pot can't run dry. Otherwise, we 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 yeah. cease to be able to operate, which would not be what anybody needs. Um, you know, the key thing for us was not to lose players from the sport, particularly younger players, which was why we were so determined to keep the the, the challenge and the development tours going and you know, why we've been trying to help promote the growth of remote darts, because I think that's a really good way in the modern world where everybody's very digitally focused. It's a good way for people to engage with each other, stay socially active and also stay mentally active. You know, it's difficult if you're, if you're stuck at home all day because you're working from home or you're not working at all or you're not studying or whatever. Um, you need something to occupy your mind. And remote darts is actually a really good way of doing that. It's sociable, it's competitive and it's fun. So uh, and relatively easy from a technical technical point of view to, to stage to a, to, a, to a certain degree so you know from our side we've been keen not to lose people from darts not to make them feel disengaged with the sport and and then maybe not come back to it when when things return to normal that's pretty easy with the pros because it's their living but lower down you know we want those kids who are on the development tour who are coming through the JDC who are following us online and on social media we want them to, to stay in love with darts so the more remote darts that we can see and the more um, you know uh, carrots such as the the uh, development tour and the world youth championship that we can deliver the better that is no definitely um, and again just looking at some other things that have happened in the last week or so Raymond van Barneveld announcing he's going to go to Q school and and end his retirement were you surprised yeah. by this announcement after the fan yeah. he had and the goodbye that he had <laughs> yeah I mean you know it didn't last very long did it the retirement he obviously got bored early so fair enough good you know let's uh See how he does at Q School. We love Raymond and he had an amazing career. Um, you know, can he do it all over again? Time will tell, you know, but we'll give him all the, uh, all the encouragement and support that, that he deserves as a, as a world champion and a, and a many-time TV event winner. Um, and, and he'd be great for the profile of the sport, particularly in the Netherlands. Um, you know, but let's see, let's see how that goes. Again, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway because there's a lot of chat about it on social media and they'll want to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. In snooker, obviously, Stephen Hendry was handed yeah, away. No, we're not giving anyone tour cards, that's, no. That's what we were going to say. That in darts, <laughs> it, just, it can't happen because of the setup of the one two eight, can it? Yeah, I don't really even know why they've done it in snooker. I'm sure they've got their own reasons for it, and, and fair play, it's nothing to do with me, but uh, we're yeah. not going to be doing that. No, no I think that sends out the, the right message yeah. um, for, for the sport as well. Looking ahead, obviously, so many premier events for the PDC, and... Did Michael not qualifying for the Premier League make it slightly easier for you to tag it on to one of these 
events, obviously, because of the quarantine uh, situation and everything. Yeah, like maybe that. a little bit, a little bit, but Michael would have been over anyway, you know, um, and, and the, the, there's, there's, there's quarantine exemptions for elite sports people. So it, it didn't really affect it. I mean, it did make it maybe one or 2% easier because obviously Glenn, Gary, Nathan and Peter have only got to jump in their car and not on a plane or a ferry, you know, but um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't make a huge difference. And again, looking back, have you had time to dissect the Premier League and the match play and was it a success from broadcaster point of view and everything like that, the way it was all done? Yeah, from a broadcaster point of view, things were fantastic. You know, viewing figures were up and I think everybody agreed that the way it was presented was as good as, as, as an event without a crowd could be presented. So that was, that was really positive and the feedback from Unibet and, and Betfred was good as well, which is very important because the money that these people put into darts is, is extremely, extremely valuable to us. And that's, a, you know, that's another issue going forward, what, what will happen there but with bookmakers. But, um, you know, the, 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 the feedback from commercial stakeholders was really positive. And I think the fans were really good as well. They acknowledged that, you know, it was difficult circumstances. It might not have been exactly perfect. There's obviously split opinion on whether you like the fake crowd noise or not. <laughs> That's fair enough. I, you know, I would be amazed if there was 100% consensus on that. So that, that was no problem. And unfortunately, we don't have the, the ability with the channels that football does to have two feeds. So it will just be the one feed with, with the noise. But the players as well were, you know, were, were largely, once they got used to it, and they had the opportunity to practice on stage with the fake crowd noise. I think they appreciated that because you were there, Phil, in Milton Keynes. Yeah. You saw what it was like. Had that noise not been played, you know, you, you sat up on the press balcony having a conversation with Dave Allen would have been audible on stage. Yeah, you know, Or somebody walking across the floor and their shoe squeaks at the time. Yeah. of you, you just couldn't have that in, that environment. You know, it would have been like playing in a... In, in a morgue, you know, so we, we had to have that noise to keep people feeling that it was as normal as it could be, you know. Oh, yeah, no, 100% it would have been really ilky and scared, almost like Halloween, like just to be up yeah. with, with, with nothing. So, yeah, yeah, that worked really well. Another couple from social media with the Players' Championships finals at the Rico, are we still going to have the two stages set up within one yeah. area? Yeah, yeah, no change to the format there. We don't know exactly where the second stage is going to be. We're going to work that out this week while we're there at, at, at the, for the World Grand Prix. But that exhibition hall at the Rico is massive, so there's plenty of options there. But there will definitely be two stages and there will be coverage of the second stage as, as per normal. Yeah, because it's all these little things that you forget about. And fans go, oh, is this still going to happen? Is this still, still going yeah. to happen? And, and, and stuff like that. Um, in regards, just last few, Q School 2021, 100% going to happen as, as we stand things, at the moment? As things stand now, we are finalising the 2021 calendar. It's got European and, and UKQ school over a four-day block in the middle of January as normal. Um, you know, we're, we're working on all the venues for the different tour events and we'd look to get that out pretty soon. You know, you, you, as things stand now, it, it goes ahead. Clearly, if nobody's allowed out of their house again, it doesn't. But as yeah. things stand now, it does. Matt, pleasure as always, mate. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. No problems. And I shall see you at the Rico for the World Grand Prix. Yeah, I'm not there now, by the way. It's the wonders of technology. <laughs> In the same way, that's not your wallpaper. No, but it just hides my messy flat at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it might, it might be, to be fair, Phil, the way you're going with your promotion. If you keep painting it all up, it'll look good. Well, if you just put it around everywhere, it'll stick in the end. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. Cheers, Matt. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks a lot. 
Always grateful for the PDC Chief Executive, Matt Porter, to join us uh, on the show, especially after the big news, of course, that Coventry will become the new home of World Darts. It will host the Players' Championship Finals, the Boyle Sports Grand Slam of Darts. It will also host the Winter Series uh, late early on in November. The Premier League playoffs will happen on the 15th of October there and, of course, the Boyle Sports World Grand Prix. And if you're listening to this on the day that this podcast goes out, of course you will know that it starts tonight. Join us from 6 o'clock on linedarts.com for all the live blog that you'll need. Everything is we covered, of course, across our social media channels as well. Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search Online Darts on any one of those platforms. And then tomorrow morning, we guarantee it'll be here for you when you wake up on Wednesday, the 7th of October. Join us for the Grand Prix Daily. Day one, we will be reacting to all the big stories. Will Michael Van Gerwen be able to get back to winning ways on the television? Of course, he went out in his first game at the World Series of Darts Finals. Will he manage to get past Christoph Ratajski tomorrow night? Rob Cross and Gary Anderson meet in what could be a blockbuster round one tie. Jose de Sousa takes on David Peterson as well in two informed players. Going to be going hammer and tongs. And to kick it all off, Adrian Lewis against Chris Dobie and Michael Smith against Dimitri van den Berg to round off the night. What a set of games. And there's three more games as well involved in that as well. Eight games to get you through what could be a fantastic Tuesday night in Coventry. Join us from six o'clock on onlinedarts.com and uh, make sure, of course, you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube as well. Just search Online Darts on any one of those platforms, in particular on our YouTube channel. Phil is inside the bubble and we'll be getting you reaction to every single game. Every single winner will be joining PB uh, in the bubble. Myself and Gob will be here with you for the Grand Prix Daily tomorrow night, uh, or tomorrow morning, in fact, actually, when you wake up. We'll be recording it tomorrow night. And uh, Phil Bars will obviously join us for the Phil Bars take as well as that a little bit later on in the podcast. Thanks again for listening to this special interview show. I've been Jada Theaton and thanks for joining the online darts uh, journey. We really do appreciate you joining us at any way that you do so. And thanks for listening.